0: Hello, and welcome to We Are Christians with Giovanni Correus. Giovanni Correus serves as campus pastor and Bible teacher at the Christian Academy in Brookhaven, Pennsylvania. If you'd like to learn more about the Christian Academy, please visit our website at tca-pa.org. This podcast exists to be a source of biblical encouragement to students, faculty, staff, family, alumni, and friends worldwide. We pray this podcast becomes a means of grace in your life. Follow us on whatever platform you're listening from, so you don't miss out on any of our upcoming episodes.
1: Hi, and welcome to this episode of We Are Christians. I have a really special guest uh, this morning that I am going to introduce to you, but he should not be a stranger to you if you are listening to this podcast and you have any connection with TCA. My guest today is Mr. Abe Johnson. Now, Mr. Johnson, would you like to greet our audience? Good morning. Good morning. Um, yeah, I, I'm very
0: excited about today. Uh, this is my my first
1: podcast, so I feel I feel honored to to be a part of this, and I'm excited. And we're really excited that you are a part of it. And we know that there are students and faculty and staff and alumni and friends and family from all over. United States and probably in different parts of the world that will be listening to this podcast. So th- if they haven't heard your voice uh, in a number of years, I'm sure they'll be really excited yeah, that, to hear you. That makes me a little intimidated. And <laughs> make it that put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are are the the topic of this podcast today has to do with answering Bible questions because just a, a few weeks ago in chapel we uh, held q and A Q&A session with four panelists. Uh, you were one of them. And we had lots of questions submitted by our students, but uh, we were only able to get to how many? Three or four? Right. And so we really would like to provide an answer for these questions that our students have submitted. So that is our goal for this uh, podcast episode. And I'm going to just shoot the questions out to you and you answer them as the Lord gives you the ability and the uh, wisdom to, to answer them. So the first question that we'd like to pose to you comes from one of our students. Uh, like, well, they all come from the, our students. But the first question is, do the angels' trumpets come before or after Jesus comes back to earth? Okay.
0: Um, well, I guess it kind of depends on your view of the timing of the events that we would call the end times. There's the, the rapture and then there's also the second coming and um i believe that um in 1st Thessalonians in reference to the rapture talks about there being a trumpet sound and then also with the second coming of christ um where he he literally comes to the earth there's also reference to a trumpet and so um there will be a trumpet um and uh, my personal belief is that the the rapture will occur seven years before the second coming, so that's typically called a pre-tribulation rapture. Um, and I, so I think there'll be a trumpet sound and we'll be raptured. The word rapture means the church is is caught up with Christ in the air. Um, and then there'll be seven years of tribulation and then there'll be another trumpet when the, when um, Christ returns to, to the earth uh, for the final battle, the battle of Armageddon, and so I think there'll be two trumpets. Um, but I know that there are um, there are Bible-believing Christians that think the rapture will be in the middle of the tribulation, and there are Bible-believing Christians that believe that the the rapture will be at the end of the tribulation. And I think it um, is 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 a good it's good to recognize those differences and to agree to disagree. That I would refer to that as kind of a minor doctrine, it's kind of the, the, a timing issue. Mm-hmm. We know there's going to be a rapture. We know that Christ's second coming is a, is a sure, definite thing. The specific timing of it is something that uh, um, Christians should agree to disagree if, if we disagree. Um, and not, not let that be a point of division. And regardless of, of the timing, there's definitely gonna be a trumpet sound. Yes, there will be, there will be yeah, whether there's one trumpet or two trumpets,
1: um, I'm looking forward to hearing those trumpets. As am I, as am I. <laughs> this next question uh, says, how do we know, how do we know that Christianity is the only true religion? And how has God always been there if he wasn't created? So I guess we could maybe take the first uh, question first that uh, this student submitted. How do we know that Christianity is the only true religion? My first response to that question
0: is that that's what Jesus said, and that um, that it's not a, it's not a conclusion that that Christians have come to, um, but that that's what Jesus said, and anybody who predicts their death and resurrection, and then dies and actually comes back from the dead, I'm going to believe what they have to say. So if he says he's the only way, I'm going to believe that because he demonstrated that he was God with his death and resurrection. So so for starters, I would say that's the primary reason why I believe that, is because I wholeheartedly believe that Jesus died and rose again, and I'm going to listen to anybody who who comes back from the dead? Um, because obviously, they're God. Um, secondly, kind of maybe um, more looking at it more broadly, um, I I, um, I teach worldview class, and I always tell my worldview class that the Christianity by far makes the most sense in terms of explaining the the world around us and explaining who we are, and. So um, one, of my, one of my favorite quotes by C.S. Lewis is that he said, I, I believe in Christianity like I believe that the sun has risen. Not only can I see it, but by it I can see lots of other things. And so there, there is evidence that Christianity... Um, is true and accurate. The Bible is full of prophecies that have been fulfilled, and we can verify lots of parts of the Bible through archaeology. So there's kind of that external evidence where we can see that it's true. But um, I also find that the Bible and Christianity explains so many other things. It explains why you and I are, are personal, um, and we can sit down and have this have this conversation. Um, it explains why why there's right and there's wrong. And so Christianity explains so many other things so well, that's just an, an, an additional reason why I believe that, that Christianity um, is,
1: is the only truth um, because of, of those things. I agree. And personally, I like to, uh, to think about the fact that Christianity is supported by actual historical events and not just ideas that somebody came up with. Right. right. Like, I, I love that. I'm like, wow, like, like we can actually point to moments in history. Um, somebody lived. Uh, Christ actually came. Christ actually died. Christ actually reset the clock and the calendar for right. for all of human history. Right. And And the apostles
0: were in a very unique position where they knew whether or not he rose from the dead and they, their lives are a reflection of the fact that he did. Sometimes people will, will wonder about Christianity compared to, to Islam or, you know, mm-hmm. some, so where, where people will die for their faith. So like a, um, a Muslim might die for their faith, believing that they will, you know, uh, go go to heaven when they die for their faith, but they don't know whether or not they're gonna they're gonna go to heaven when they die. Mm-hmm. But the apostles, they knew whether or not Jesus rose. They were in a unique position to know specifically whether he rose, and they died for their belief. So to me, that's just like mind blowing. They yeah. they knew they weren't just believing something that someone else told them. Mm-hmm. They knew that he rose. And they were willing to put their lives
1: on the line for that. Yeah, and they, they saw him. They, right. they literally saw him and ate with him. And I remember talking about this not too long ago in, in my um, Life of Christ class with the eighth graders. And I said to them, you know, it wasn't just the 12 of them that saw him. There was hundreds of people that saw him. Yeah, yeah, Paul, Paul says that
0: over, over 500 people saw him at the same time. Exactly, So it yes. <laughs> wasn't that, you know, they weren't hallucinating, there are no mass hallucinations. And then Paul even says, most most of those 500 people, when he's writing in 1 Corinthians, most of those 500 people are still alive, mm-hmm. so he's kind of saying to the Corinthians, if you don't want to take my word for it, go track them down, they're still alive. You ask them yeah. if they saw him. Powerful. To, to, to verify
1: it, yeah. That's awesome. So the second part of, of this person's question says, how has God always been there if He wasn't created? Now, you have five children. Yes. Uh, maybe one of your kids <laughs> at some point has asked you this question. I remember Matteo asked me this question when he was about three years old. Like, who made God? Right. Basically, that's this question: <laughs> Who made God? <laughs> yeah. Um, and really, and the,
0: the best answer I think is a simple one: um, No one. Uh, no, no one made God, um, and. Sometimes we're we're kind of uncomfortable with that, and and we kind of think that maybe you know Christians you know don't don't um, kind of understand you know that's scientifically impossible, but ultimately something has existed eternally, and um, a naturalist might say that it's you know it's matter you know it's 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 the universe. Or it's multiverses that have existed eternally, but um even scientifically, we know that something has existed eternally that um uh, and so um god God has existed eternally no one no one made god, and um so w- we we accept that by faith, but our our faith doesn't isn't isn't contrary to reason to me. Faith goes beyond reason, mm-hmm. and really there's much more kind of rational evidence that the thing that is eternally existed is, you know, is not a thing, it's God. He's personal, mm-hmm. and so to me the, the naturalist, you know, the, the atheistic scientist um, has to um, accept more, more by faith than we do um
1: and so yeah god god has always existed nobody nobody made god amen he just is right just is and that leads me to this next question that says what is your idea of what god looks like i like the way that this person is thinking about this because um i think a lot of people when maybe they don't know scripture and they don't know how god has revealed himself they do think about it like this well what's what does God look like? And, and they each have their own idea of what He looks like. So they're asking, "What's your idea of what God looks like?"
0: Yeah, I guess I'm I'm a pretty literal person. So we know that no one's seen God. So I just kind of accept that, and I guess I focus more more on His attributes, um, and that you know um, John tells us that God is love. Uh, God tell you know um, the Bible tells us that you know God is good. And so I kind of focus on um, his, his attributes and just kind of recognize that no, no one's seeing God. Now, we do know in, in the book of Revelation um, that John describes what Jesus looks like. Um, so if I'm going to kind of have a mental image, I guess I kind of go to you know that. Um, but actually, it just kind of makes me anticipate even more getting to heaven where we'll, we'll see God and you know be be face to face um
1: that's that's going to be you know yeah exciting <laughs> yeah for sure i i think about uh jesus's encounter with the woman uh, at the well and he says to her god is spirit right and i mean, a spirit is a spirit there's no bodily uh form to the right. spirit so uh, when I think about God, I, I think about the fact that, you know, I probably won't be able to see him, at least not in this life, right. um, or or visualize him. And and in fact, that's one of the commandments is do not make for yourself an image yeah, right. uh, of God. Right. Um, and, and then, you know, yeah, God God's amazing. And yet Jesus
0: said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Yes. So we do get, you know, you get, God wants us to know him. Mm-hmm. He's definitely beyond our comprehension. Um, but that's why he's worthy of our worship.
1: Amen, amen. So you bring up um, you visualizing the attributes of God and and God is love and definitely love is one of his attributes But here's this other question from someone who's asking, um, why does God allow for so much evil to exist? Why does God allow for so much evil to exist? Uh, That's a great question Um, mostly because it's something
0: that we the question we probably have all asked ourselves and 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 asked asked God and because it's something that you know it's a, it's a struggle we all experience evil and suffering and and sickness and so it's all it's a you know it's a, it's a really it's a really personal question but I and I think that um in some aspects the the best answer is we don't know it's we can't fully understand cuz in Sometimes in our estimation, we think God's, God's good, God's all powerful, let's just deal with evil now. Um, but we, I think we can get some, some glimpses as to an understanding where we see um, instances in the Bible where God allows evil and accomplishes his purposes through, through the evil. Um, I, I Just the other day in Bible class, we were talking about the um, the story of joseph mm. and really the the whole the whole story is wrong. you know Jacob shows favoritism you yeah. know, wrong Joseph is proud and can 't keep his mouth shut to his <laughs> brothers. You know, and... Wrong. Yeah, wrong. You know, when you, when you have that many older brothers and you have a dream about them bowing down, you keep your mouth closed. Wrong and that, right? dumb. Right? Yeah, wrong wrong and dumb. Um, and, you know, his brothers hate him, you know, so i into slavery, wrong. Um, and yet God accomplishes, you know, he preserves his people through all of that. And um, I, I shared with my class kind of a personal example. Um, my growing up, my uh, my stepdad um, was an alcoholic, uh, and there was a lot of a lot of you know wrong and you know uh, evil in, you know in in the midst of that, but through that, my mom became a Christian, and um, I saw a difference in her, and, and and it was you know it was directly through my stepdad's alcoholism because she started going to Al-Anon meetings and her leader was a Christian, mm. and they will, they will teach you about a higher power, yeah. but um, she asked her, her leader, I wanna know about, about that higher power, and so her leader introduced her to Christ. Mm. I saw a difference in her. And so it's kind of directly through the evil of alcoholism that I came to Christ, my family came to Christ, so God, God uses it mm-hmm. for good, um, and we just have to, just have to trust in his In his goodness, and that eventually evil will be dealt with, yeah, so sometimes our our struggle with it is a timing thing we want God to deal with it now mm. but that he he will, and we can
1: trust that yeah and and keep in mind that nothing happens in the universe right without him not only knowing about it but being in control of it because he 's right. sovereign. Uh, Over everything, Uh, I think of this passage in Lamentations that says, should we accept only the good from God and not the calamities? Right. Both come from God and ultimately are for our good and for his glory. Right. Um, So that's a beautiful story about how your mom came to salvation and to know the Lord. And um, maybe we won't even know, I think when we go through difficult times, we won't even know what is it that God intended for us. Right. uh, until we are in glory with him right yeah and i think that that
0: you know he gives us that 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 glimpse you know like i can look back and see that and so then i can trust him in the other areas where like god why is this happening yeah. but I, I, I can i can see in some instances how he is working all things together for good yeah and and
1: that that builds my trust in the things that i, that I don't understand yeah amen amen so Let's uh, shift a little bit here in in the topic. Um, this person is asking a question that has to do with salvation, and this is honestly a question that has been around since the church began. Um, probably it says, uh, "Once saved, are you always saved?" So it has to do with with assurance of of our salvation. Yeah,
0: that's a that that is a question that's been around for a long time, and. We we could probably talk for hours, <laughs> looking at different passages. Um, in kind of summarizing, you know, everything that that I read in the scriptures, I think that theologically speaking, yes, you can lose your salvation, but practically speaking, no. And what I mean by that is that I think that part of our salvation. Even though we could delve into a whole nother topic of you know um god god's sovereignty in in our free will in in salvation, I think that part of part of salvation is that we need to receive God's free gift and that God in his sovereignty it's kind of like he he chooses that we choose um and so because there's that aspect of receiving, you know, we're not, we're not creators, we're receivers as, as people. Um, and so, because there's that aspect of it, that kind of, theologically speaking, you could, if you have to receive it, you could reject it. Uh, but practically speaking, once you experience God's goodness, once you experience His love, and the joy and the peace that comes from walking with Him, that practically speaking, you don't. That you're not going to reject your salvation just because you experience God. And really, that's that's what we were designed. We we're designed to walk with God. We we're designed to be in relationship with Him. So once you
1: experience that, you you don't reject His free gift. And I guess along the same lines, is at what point um, are you accountable for rejecting? the the offer of God of salvation. There's question this question is phrased like this. What uh do you believe that there is an age of accountability? And if so, around what age? Yeah, that um
0: another great question. <laughs> We're um, full yeah, of great yeah. questions today. Yeah. <laughs> um, the Bible doesn't specifically mention an age of accountability or even kind of address that topic uh, but I think that there is an age an age of accountability I think of verses like there's a verse in Genesis um, I think it's 18 where um, where Abraham is talking to God about Sodom and he says, will not the judge of all the earth do right um, and so from verses like that, I personally conclude that God, in judging the living and the dead, He is going to be just and judge rightly, and that somebody who um, is not either old enough to kind of comprehend what it means to accept or reject God, or some people because of um, mental disabilities and they never reach that age where they can accept or reject God's free gift. Um, I think that, you know, there there is that age of accountability when you know, if God's, if the you know, the judge of the living and the dead is going to judge rightly, to me, that would mean to not mm-hmm. hold them accountable for something that they could not comprehend.
1: Yeah, I, I was. That's exactly the way that I'm, I see this situation. I was talking about this with eighth graders not long ago, and we talked about the fact that it's not because they're sinless. Um, let's say babies for example who die in the womb or outside the womb um, because they are still born with their sinful nature from Adam Um, but it's God's grace and mercy Uh, same with people with mental disabilities like it's not because they're sinless it's because God is gracious and merciful Um, so I think about the the generation of Israelites that did not enter the promised land and God said you know you're not entering because of your unbelief but your children who you thought were gonna be taken captive and, and be get abused in, in the promised land, they didn't reject. They, they they couldn't because they didn't know right from wrong or left from right. And right. um so they will enter. And right. so the Lord is merciful and gracious in that sense. Right. Yeah, and, and his grace and his mercy um
0: is boundless in that my you know, my sin, past, present and future it's all it's all forgiven. And and so that we're all we're all sinners, but the, the 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 price that Christ paid on the cross, you know, covers covers all of our sin. And God, in His graciousness, I believe that covers the sins mm-hmm. of those who um, who don't have the ability
1: to accept that free yeah. gift. Yeah, yeah, amen. Um, so let's uh, we probably have time for about two more questions here. Um, let's go with this one. What are some effective ways? Uh, to prepare to be bold for Christ in a non-Christian environment, uh, I, I don't know. We don't know who, who asked these questions, but this could be a question from one of our seniors who's getting ready to to leave TCA and, and maybe go into a secular university or workplace. Like, right? How are they going to prepare to be bold for Christ? Yeah, um, I think um, part of it. One of my um, one one. Um,
0: Verse that I've been meditating on uh, for probably a couple of years now is, is Acts 1.8, where um, Luke writes um, really that Jesus tells the disciples, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and all, you know, um, Samaria and all the earth. And so the part of it is that we need to realize that God will empower us as we allow his spirit to fill us, um, that he will, you know, empower us to be bold witnesses. Um, and, and we see that that happened, we see that happen to the disciples. You know, the, the resurrection of Christ transformed them, but then after the resurrection they were filled with his spirit. And they went out and they radically transformed the you know the entire Roman Empire. Mm-hmm. A group of you know, you know, fishermen and um, you know tax collectors and really in terms of their, <clears throat> you know, their wealth or their political power, they they were nobodies. Yeah. And they transformed the Roman world as that God as God empowered them. And so I think that as we as we walk, you know that's kind of maybe you know like a theological answer. But as we walk with God daily, and um, His Spirit fills us, you know you 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 get excited about yeah. about your walk with Christ and things you're you know things you're excited about. You you, know, you just naturally talk to other people about it, and they they notice they notice that you're full of joy. They notice that you know in times of crisis you have you know peace. It doesn't make sense, and that opens the door to you know to, to speak with them about that. And so, um, I always think about it this way: if if the God of the universe lives inside of me, um, then how could that like not you know flow out of me and, and change who I am, and people not recognize that in me? And you know that's you know that's the sort of witness. That we want to be to the world around us, you know, the yeah. light in us shines out, and as, you know, things, you know, are dark in the
1: world around us, you know, light just shines more brightly. Yeah, yeah. That what you said reminds me of something that a, a preacher that I hear, um, who has passed away and been with the Lord, I think even before I was born. Uh, his name is Martin Lloyd Jones, and he said, you know, we the Christian always has the Spirit of God, but w- it, wait, let, me, let me think. How does he say it? He says. The Spirit of God is always in a believer, but the believer isn't always filled with the Spirit of God. Or maybe I'm paraphrasing it or saying it wrong. But like we have the Spirit of God from the moment that we believe, but we're, we aren't always full of the Spirit. Right. And that should be our our goal and our desire is to walk in the fullness of of the Spirit of God. In order Amen. to be yeah. prepared for anything that happens, yeah, and and how can we? Maybe we should go there. How can we be prepared? Oh, sorry. How can we be full of the Holy Spirit? Um, well,
0: I think that that's you know that's ultimately what we were designed. We were designed that way. You know, Paul Paul writes in Corinthians. You know that you know our, our body is the temple of God's Spirit. So I, I always think about it in the same way that the the, the Jewish people were were very um, proactive and um, to you know they, they they wanted to make the temple the you know the place for God's spirit to dwell. and so you know they overlaid it in gold mm-hmm. and you know they followed God's instructions on how to build it and we just kind of have to have the same perspective about ourselves it, that we just need to be very uh, purposeful, and we need to, you know, plan to have times that we're in God's Word. We need to um, set time aside to, you know, to worship Him and to be in prayer and to be in fellowship with other believers. And as we're just as we're purposeful to to do those things, that um, we just you know, His Spirit just fills us. We're walking closer and closer with Him, and we're we just you know. Um, are allowing his spirit to to fill more and more of our mind and our hearts and 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 that's how you know that's
1: how we, we walk with him daily amen amen so here's our our final question for this um, podcast episode and I'm kind of I'm kind of debating whether which actually which one of these questions to ask um, what you just said in in, in your final um, comments on the question that we just talked about—that a Christian should be in the in the Word, in prayer, and in fellowship with other believers—so I think that's already an answer to to this question: Can you still be a Christian and not attend church? Um, if you have to be yeah. in fellowship with other believers, right? You should be in in a local church, right? Um, yeah, and, and serving there. Yeah, and, and Paul says, you know,
0: forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. Yeah. Um and and I think that I I guess maybe the way the question's worded uh, our actions don't save us so not it's not going to church doesn't you know exclude you from God's free gift but it's kind of like I guess kind of like going to the gym if you want to be strong you're not going to get strong sitting home on the couch watching somebody else exercise on on youtube (laughs) right so so if you want if you want to grow in your faith if you want to be you know spiritually strong so so to speak to 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 do god's will and to accomplish his purposes that going to church is a is a big part of that you know Mm -hmm. that 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 iron sharpens iron yeah and
1: uh, yeah that doesn't happen you know. Yeah and I, I would even add to say that a true believer, a true Christian would want to right. be around other believers and other Christians. Right. So it, it's 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 a matter of what are your affections? Like if you're a true believer, you want to be with other believers. Right. You don't you don't want to be with non-believers and enjoy their company. Um you want to be with other believers. So so that's that question's been answered. So here's our final question. All right. Okay. Ready for it. Do <laughs> Dogs go to heaven.
0: Do all, all dogs, dogs. Yeah. go to heaven? Well, if you ask, Walt wait, Did you be, be, be careful Disney. how you're going to answer yeah. this, because <laughs> if you ask Walt Disney, I guess yes, all dogs do go to heaven. But I don't, I don't know that that he knows his Bible very well. <laughs> um, yeah, I've, I've been asked this question by by my my children. Have you? Yeah, in Bible class. This is a so. I've thought about it um dogs and animals
1: wait before you before you give us your answer okay. are you mm. a dog person
0: i mean do you, i do i prefer yes. cats over
1: dogs do you prefer dogs over cats or cats um, over dogs or? um
0: actually i guess i'm both okay we, we have we have a dog and a cat, and i guess being a biology teacher we okay. always we always yeah. refer to it as the the, the johnson zoo <laughs> we have we have birds and turtles and um we, you know, snakes wow. and and frogs and okay. That. So you're about
1: the pet life. <laughs> yeah, you so, are
0: about the pet life. Yeah, we have lots and lots of pets. Okay. So yeah. So when yeah when when a pet when a pet does unfortunately pass. Yeah. You know. So I've dealt with this question kind of on on a, on a personal level. Um, when God created animals, He created them um, differently than humans. Um, only only Adam does it say that He breathed you know his spirit into adam and adam became you know a living living being so humans are different we we have an eternal spirit uh, we are and, and in fact sometimes we get that kind of switched up we think of ourselves as a body with a spirit but the bible tells us different you're we're a spirit with a body our spirit man is more significant than our physical body so we we are eternal because of that spirit and animals don't don't have an eternal spirit God did not breathe into them in the same way he breathed into Adam so in that sense, animals are not eternal um, they don't have an eternal spirit but uh, and this is just complete conjecture on, on my part but um, God loves us so much that I wouldn't be surprised if he recreated our favorite pets in <laughs> heaven for us he's going to make okay. a man he's going to make a mansion for us and his love is obviously boundless. So it wouldn't wouldn't Mm -hmm. surprise me if
1: God, God
0: recreated our favorite
1: pets for us in heaven. It would be a really nice gesture of of graciousness of on his part for us, right? Love and grace, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So that's my answer. (laughs) That's a beautiful answer Been a very gentle and and kind answer for, especially for people like yourself who love pets. I'm not one of those people. I, I don't really, I'm not into pets, but we do have a pet at home. And you know, if God um, did do that, well, I, I would be okay if He didn't. <laughs> I just can say that. What kind of pet do you have? <laughs> we-, we we have a-, a really nice a really nice dog. Okay. Um, yep, uh, a golden doodle. Okay, she's lovely and she's very calm, and that's why she still gets to be around the house. <laughs> Well, thank you so much, Mr. Johnson, for your time and for you know uh speaking with us and answering these questions for these students and I'll um, let you say goodbye to all of our, our audience and then we'll wrap this up. Yeah, th- um thank you. It's been it's it's been a pleasure. I
0: love I love um answering questions about the Bible. I love just talking about the Bible and so yeah, it has been it's been a pleasure. Thank you.
1: All right. Thank you everybody for listening and catch us next time in the next episode. Uh, Coming up shortly. Bye-bye. Thank you again for listening to We Are
0: Christians with Giovanni Correas. If you have any questions on anything that you heard or would like to speak with Pastor Correas, you may email him at gcorreus at tca-pa.org. Have a great day, and remember, we are Christians.